0: anyway those guys are phenomenal okay all right here we go i want to welcome you to our soap series just a second that was my fault and and like i say if you don't know what soap is i'll explain it in a little bit more detail in just a second but for right now just understand it this way soap is about getting it's about reading the word in a way that god can speak to you through the word that's what soap is about Okay? God's speaking to you through the Word. Now when I say that, I want us to just recognize something, which is this. There are some people that say when you're reading the Bible, this idea that God would speak to you personally, individually through the Word is a little iffy and is subject to a lot of error, and indeed it is. They would say, when you read that passage, there's a universal understanding to that passage, and that's the only real legitimate meaning in the passage. See what I mean? It was about Jesus, you know, resurrecting or whatever. Well, that's the only meaning in it. And what I want to say is, is, boy, we need to understand what the universal meaning is in it, right? I mean, the word is not just a pick and choose, you know, know, pick the little pieces that we want. It is a whole meal. But the truth is, is that the nature of Christianity, the nature of Christian, Christian means what? Christ followers. To follow Christ. The nature of Christianity is to have a relationship with him in such a way as that he's leading you. This is what the Holy Spirit has given to us for, right? This is what Jesus says in the passages we've been reading over the last two weeks in our corporate soap time. The idea is, is that God is saying very clearly, I'm going to guide you. I'm going to lead you. And I mean in the most intimate ways, in the most detailed ways. This is, prayer is not about a one-way communication to God about all the things that you need, or all the things you want him to take care of. Right? I mean, it's fine to do those things. It's important to do those things, to be faithful and praying for those things and to lift them up before the Lord in faith. But the truth of the matter is the Christian walk is about a two-way communication. An intimate, gnosko is the word in Greek. Gnosko is the same word that's used for sexual intimacy. It means the most intimate knowledge of. It means this interactive two-way communication. I want to show you something here. It's interactive and two-way to the point that nobody sitting in this room thinks it could be. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Jesus, when he comes, he comes for two reasons, right? The first one is he comes as a man to show us how life can be in God, to live the life that we're to be living. See? The second reason he comes, of course, is to go to the cross, to take upon himself the consequences of our actions, to die, to raise again, and so on, to redeem us. But remember that first part, because that's the part we're talking about right now, and here's the point. On, I think it was Tuesday's soap, I get to this particular passage... Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, what is it you're looking for? Now, this is John 18. The Last Supper and his final prayer is all done. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the soldiers that Judas has gone to get are coming to him now to arrest him. Now, what stood out to me? Jesus knowing everything that was about to happen to him. Now, one of the reasons why that stood out to me so much was because I have been reading, doing our soap as we do, you know, and I've been reading all this time about thing after thing after thing after thing where Jesus knows it perfectly. Let me just show you what I'm talking about. This is going back to soaps of last week, but watch this. See, John 13, 21. This is the beginning of that last supper jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified i assure you one of you will betray me john the one whose his head is the way that they lean he's leaning on him john asked lord who is it jesus replied he's the one i give the piece of bread to after i've dipped it see it's just those two that are communicating right now not everybody else can hear him but look what he's doing he knows exactly who's going to betray him and then he gives him the he hands it to judas <laughs> right I mean, he knows exactly, and he doesn't just know who, he knows when, which is now, <laughs> because what he says is, is Jesus told him, what you're doing, do it now, quickly, move out. What went through Judas's mind when he hears that? He knows in his heart that he's about to betray him. He's already taken the silver. He knows that he's about to betray him, but, Right? What you're doing, do quickly. Jesus knows exactly what's in his heart, what his actions are going to be. Then, look, nobody else knows that. None of the people reclining at the table knew why he told him this. Why is he saying that to him? And they, they come up with some conjecture and so on. But then now watch this one. Now watch this. This is a little more deep. Now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. Judas has left. And Jesus says, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in him. What does that mean? For us who know the whole story, it's obvious. This means Judas is going to go and betray him. Soldiers are going to come and arrest him. He's going to be taken to a sham trial. He's going to be taken to the to the mount of the, the skull. He's going to be or he's going to take away where he's going to be crucified. He's going to be crucified. He's then going to die. In order to take the consequences of our actions upon him. He's going to die, but death can't hold him, so he's going to rise again. This is what it means that God is going to be glorified. This is what he's saying. He's saying he's going to rise again. God's going to be glorified in him. This whole thing is glorifying God. It is reconnecting people with their creator. Now, we know that because we know the story. But Jesus is saying this before Any of it has happened. And he's not saying it this way. I think what's going to happen is maybe I'm going to get arrested, and then I think a trial, and then maybe I get crucified, and then, see, look, there's nothing of that in this. There's There's a total certainty about what he's saying. In fact, it goes on in this passage, just a couple more. Your heart must not be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. What's he saying right there? This is for uh, theological pub a little bit. He's saying, believe in God, believe in me. I'm God. Okay? In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and receive you to myself so that where I am you may be also. What's he talking about there? Heaven. Heaven. He's talking about the fact that we're going to be with him. He's going to ascend and be with God and then we're in him if we received him and we received what he did and we're going to be with him in heaven. I mean, he's telling us everything in great detail. In fact, he comes back and he says, look, understand something, guys. For you, it's going to be a little tough for a while, okay? They'll ban you from synagogues. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think that he's offering service to God. Paul was not the only person that fulfilled this particular scripture, but Paul is a beautiful fulfillment of that scripture. Paul is a guy who was killing Christians thinking he was offering to God service, that he was doing the right thing to try and stamp out these Christians. Now, are are we... Look, you realize this isn't just the Last Supper where Jesus knew everything. You do remember like the woman at the well, you know, knowing everything about her. You do remember, you know, Lazarus gets sick, Jesus waits says that he's died, doesn't know that he's died, but nobody's told him, but he knows that he's died. He knows he's going to raise him again. All the way through Jesus' life, Jesus knows everything completely. There's never any sense, not one time in Scripture, where Jesus is going, well, maybe. I think it's going to work out like, see what I mean? There's never anything but certainty about everything. Everything. Now, here's what we say. This is what we do in our minds. We say the reason why Jesus knows everything perfectly is because he's God, right? He's omniscient. What's that mean? Knows everything, omniscient. Omniscient is knowing. Omni is all, All all-knowing. So if he's all-knowing, that's how, you know, God's all-knowing, so that's why Jesus knows everything. The problem is, is that the word makes it incredibly clear to us that that is precisely what Jesus has emptied himself of. Right? Not just omniscience, but omnipotence too. All powerful. And yet here's Jesus healing people. How did he heal people? Was it Jesus as God healing people? No, it was an anointing of the Holy Spirit moving through him to heal people. Does Jesus know everything because he's God? No, the word makes it clear. Philippians, he had equal status with God, meaning he's God. Okay, But he didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. He didn't hold on to the godly divine attributes, omniscience, omnipotence. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity. Omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotence. He emptied himself. That's the word kenosis. Emptied himself. He emptied himself of what? His omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, and took on the status of a slave. He became human. The way that Jesus lived life was as us. Which brings us to a really interesting question. If Jesus knew everything, can we? can we do we believe that to the degree that Jesus knew everything that was going to happen is that something that we're supposed to be walking in? absolutely why don't we I don't know has anybody in here ever thought to themselves that they should be walking in that that they should know everything does anybody even thought that that was a possibility If you don't know what's possible, you don't ever move towards it. You don't ever try for it. I want to say right now, do I think we're ever going to get it as good as Jesus did? Perfectly all the way? Of course not. Why? Well, have you looked at yourself lately? I say that as a joke, but wait until we get to where we're getting with this. Because I want us to do something. I want us today to open up to the possibility that the truth is The way Jesus lived his life was to model the way that we can and should be living ours. And if we do, greater works than these shall you do, says Jesus. (laughs) Cool, huh? That's where we're going. Oh, Barb Bloomstrand, this is absolutely awesome. Barb, recent graduate, uh, congratulations on that. That is so awesome. And you just do so many things, the events and everything else that you do. You are just incredible. So pray for the sermon. Lift up another church, would you? Yes.
1: Lord, it's such an honor to be in your house today and with your people. And, Father, I pray the truth of your word today would just change us, Lord, that it would cause us to press towards you, to seek your face, And, Lord, the the word that was spoken today about uh, trust in the waiting, God, I pray that for all of us, Lord, that when you ask us to wait, that in that waiting you change us, you renew us, um, and you've got something good. um, And you just understand all the details, and I pray that we would trust in that. And, Lord, I pray for Grace Community Church in Auburn. Thank you that they're a church that uh, speaks the truth. Thank you, um, Lord it just changes lives, and I thank you that Sean and Elisa have found that church, amen. Um, and that they're being uh, blessed and ministered to. And I pray that the that your word would be spoken today in that church. And um, just thank you for all that are here in Jesus' name, amen. In
0: Jesus' name. Thank you. That was awesome. Love them. Love that church. Um, agua por favor. If somebody could grab me something, I'm still fighting off this cold a little bit and could use a little water. Thanks. All right. Now. As I said, I'm just going to go back real quickly, and we're just going to look at, Jesus knowing everything's about to happen, what is soap? Okay, It's reading a passage. You can take any passage, the ones that we set up for the church to read together, or any passage, you can do it on this any time. And what you do is you do scripture, and let me call that, you're looking for the speed bump or what stands out. Now, do understand, sometimes that may be the whole of the passage and the meaning, that universal meaning we talked about. Sometimes that may be the revelation. Wow, that's an incredible insight, right? But do understand, it is just as valid that there is that universal meaning, and then there's that thing that stands out that is odd. Jeff, you are awesome. Thank you very much. Oh, sorry, I thought that was mine. Sorry. No, no, I don't want the coffee. Sorry. Okay. No, 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 it's all right. That's awesome. All right. All right, so scripture, and then what you do is is when something stands out, you look at it. You observe it. If if another scripture comes to mind, you go look it up. If a thought comes to mind, you think about it. You just observe, why is that standing out to me? And you don't really know why, but you're trying to bring it into your understanding, right? So you're just asking the question, and you're walking through it, observation. And you're still amazing, Jeff. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) There you go. Thank you,
0: thank you. Okay, observation is about revelation. You continue to observe until, oh, I see why that was standing out. Don't quit before that. Get to revelation. When you get to revelation, application is just a piece of cake. Application is, there's this revelation that God just spoke to me. What am I supposed to do about it? Real simple. The one today, the observation would be what we're going to be talking about. And the application would be, Start realizing that God wants you to know a lot more than what you do. Start thinking that way. Start living your life that way, that he's trying to reveal things to you in order to make you an ever finer scalpel, in order to make you an ever finer instrument in his hand to doing his will the way that he wants. He's trying to communicate to you all the time. Okay, so that's the application. And the prayer would be, God, help me be that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Help me hear you all the time. Help me reorient my thinking. So you see, that would be a SOAP. All right? Now, again, just so that you get what it is or where to get one, this is our web page, And you can, you can go over here to SOAP, which is that lower thing. These are the values down here below. And then you can go down here and download the SOAP schedule, read it out of your own Bible. Or you can pop up and say, click on one of the days, which will take you right to Bible Gateway. You can do that on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer, anywhere you are. You can do that. I do it all the time on my phone. And then you get to a passage and you can read it right out of there. And by the way, if you do it this way, you can get right to commentaries and other things that will help you in word studies and everything else. Okay? So I'm not suggesting you have to do it through the computer, but it's a nice way too. Okay? Some people really like the feel of the Bible in their hands. By all means, use that. Okay? The bottom line is, that's what the soap is. Now, the one that we're looking at today, again, is we're looking at this idea that there's something that God wants to show us that's much more than what we know. Now, when we talk about a soap... When we talk about a soap, what we're doing is, is that we have this understanding of that we're going out there, and what we're doing, I, I just I need to go beyond soap. I need to go to devotional. Always remember something about a devotional. Devotional is two parts. There's the reading part and how to make it come alive so that God can talk to you. But then there's the prayer part. And by the prayer part, I do not mean... I'm saying it's okay to do this too, but I do not mean the one where you pray for your cousin and your uncle and the person in trouble. Okay? I mean the part where you go on a walk or in your closet or wherever you're going to do it where you take actual concentrated, not shower time, not driving in the car time. You take a time that is set apart, that is, that is just you and him, And you're just talking to him just like two people would talk to one another. The only difference being that there's a difference in how he talks to us than the way that we talk to him. And we're going to look at that in one second. But I want us to understand it nonetheless is a two-way communication. It's just not him talking into your ear in words, even though sometimes it may sound like that. It's actually much better than that. That's actually a fairly inefficient way to communicate. God has a much more efficient way to communicate. But when we do this... Remember, and you've seen this before, so I'm just doing this quickly, but when you go on a devotional, I've been making a point about it for a long time, and the point goes, oh, hold it, just a second, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to be there yet, I knew I was missing something, and I couldn't bring it back, sorry, okay, how did Jesus know everything that he knows, is it like this, did the Holy Spirit does he come to him every morning and wake him up and, and like, you know, waft a little coffee and, you know, get him to wake up a little bit and, and then give him his little agenda and say, okay, Jesus, at 7.45 today, there's going to be a guy with an arm and he's going to be withered and you're supposed to make it get longer. And, and then at noon, you're going to meet this woman at the well and, you know, what you're going to do is you're going to talk to Wait till you hear her story. This is really great. See what I mean? Is, is that what's happening there? Is the Holy Spirit just giving him a rundown of the agenda per day? No. Is there an analogy that we might have in today's world that is actually the anti-analogy, but it's a good initial analogy? How how many people know about, I'm supposed to have a coffee bag up here. I don't think, if, if Julie's around, just throw it to me, okay? Thank you. And throw me the other one too. Thank you. Yeah, 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 do it, do it, go ahead. Okay, all right. Good throw. Now, Do you know what augmented reality is? This idea that you can go to downtown Seattle, say, and you can take out your phone and you can point it at buildings even as you move it. And what it does is if there's a restaurant or something in the building or if there's something about the building that's notable, then a little thing will pop up and it'll tell you, like, this is that restaurant and this is the Yelp review on it and you can call it. You see what I mean? Augmented reality, right? I want you to just think about a metaphor for how did Jesus know everything? Was it the agenda that the Holy Spirit was reading to him at the beginning of the day? Or was it a little bit like augmented reality? That what Jesus was doing was as he went through his day, he was seeing things. He was seeing things behind the things that were there. This is a, sorry, Google, apologize, glasses, okay? And and what this is, is this is actually a real thing. This is something they're already developing. I know that Microsoft is working on the same thing. But the bottom line is, as you can see, you know, somebody calls and the glasses say somebody does it. And you can say, yes, I want to answer that call. And here you are. Meet me. That's actually a text. So meet me at strands. And, and then it sends. And you've got these glasses on. And what you're doing is, is you're just walking through your day. And it's pointing out various things. And like you get to the subway and it says, oops, subway's out of commission today. So you'd say, well, how do I get to the bookstore then? And then it would tell you, well, you go and you do this. And so you go over there. And you see what I mean? Do you see what the idea is here? Now, that's kind of cool, isn't it? Right? It is very distracting. Now, here's what I want to say. See, there's all kinds of stuff. And you get all the various things. And let me just click past. Okay. Now, Is that what Jesus was doing? Is something like that, metaphorically. Was Jesus going through his day, and when he saw the woman, there was stuff that he was understanding? See what I mean? It was, he was seeing was spiritualized. He's seeing not just the stuff, but the stuff behind the stuff. By the way, can I say something? This will be really important. At, At the end, it'll really make sense. This augmented reality is the thing that'll take away our ability to hear the Holy Spirit at all because it'll be so distracting because right now what happens in your daytime is there's a whole lot of empty time as you're walking to places as you're doing things and you're processing you're thinking you're allowing the holy spirit can get a still small voice into you but when we get to where we're always being inundated all the time with information then we're being responsive only and we're not being proactive in the way that i'm talking about which is you go on a walk and what is it that you're trying to accomplish in the walk i always say this what you're trying to do is you're trying to get to where you're hearing this still small voice this low level low energy but this wave that sounds something like this see what i mean it's just this real as opposed to what's trying to happen in our day, which is a whole bunch of higher energy noise, okay? In fact, can I say that that would sound something like this? Just just more and more, and as the day goes on, and there's sirens and there's this and there's. This. See now, isn't that, isn't that what, isn't that what life is doing to you? It's creating all this noise. Now, what God wants to do, is this: when you go out for your walk, what happens is, yes, the world is trying to bring a whole bunch of noise to you, but you've started hearing. No, you can't. it's in there right now, but you can't hardly even hear it, right? But if you look for it, you hear how you can start to hear it? And the more that you start to hear it, the more it actually takes the other noise down. The more you start hearing the God noise, what he's saying in the middle of it. See that? Now, I want us to do something here. When we talk about soap, we usually talk about it in the context of Reading scripture, how to make it come alive to you so you can hear what God's saying to you, right? But you do understand that soap as a technique is not at all limited to reading the scripture. That soap is something that we do in every part of our lives all the time. For example, in prayer, here's what you do. You go out and you get a sense of something. You're praying in the spirit because you don't know how to pray for what you ought to pray for and so on. And you're, you're praying with God and you're praying in tongues and you're, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And as you're walking out there, all of a sudden you've been getting a, a sense of something. It's a speed bump. It, what's a speed bump supposed, what's it meant to do? Slow you down. <laughs> right? It's going to be a bump. It's going to have to be something that you have to pay attention to. God, is, God drops something in your heart, but when he drops it in your heart, it says, okay, now here's what's going to happen. It's 745. So you've already established it's not like that. What happens is something gets dropped into you and you don't really know what it is. What's happening instead is is that you're having to discern what it is. You're having to put some link to it. You get a sense of something. We call this intuition. Now, about half the people in this room, how many people would say, I use intuition quite a lot in my life? How many people would say that? See, it's just about half the room, okay? Here's the truth. Everybody uses intuition all the time. People who don't like to think that they do because it sounds kind of flaky. But can I make it clear? Intuition is what it is to be a spiritual being. Here's what your dog never does. I have a sense of something. (laughs) Maybe it's food. (laughs) The dog does that a lot. (laughs) But you catch a drift? To be a spiritual being is to know things on another plane in another dimension that aren't here in your understanding. They need to be brought here. As you get something in your heart, what do you do with it? Is it this? No, it's not that. Is it this? Yeah. Well, what is that? Observation, see? What is that? Well, that's this. This is not just in my prayer time. This is when I'm at the grocery store and I see somebody. And what I normally do because I'm on my walk and I'm doing something else, there's no reason for me to pay any attention to them. But if I will let soap become the guiding principle of my life, If I will let speed bumps and a sense of something happen to me, I will see somebody and I'll go, what is that? I'll pray in the Spirit. What is it? I don't understand it, but I need to understand it. Bring me revelation about what that is. Pray through it. Think about it. Work with it. Try to bring God knowledge into yours so that you can then do something. Because he didn't give you the speed bump for no reason. He gave you the speed bump to miss it. Here's, here's the truth about our lives. I believe this with all of my heart. The average person has 10 plus speed bumps every day. And we catch about one every other day. The rest of the time, God is speaking things to us. He's saying things to us. He's trying to show something to us. He's trying to bring something to us. He's trying to speak to us. But we don't hear them because we're not stopping. We're not smelling the rose. We're moving. See it? Now, when I say this, I know, and then you see once you get a revelation, then the application is, is oh, I think I have a sense of what's going on with that person. Now, do we know with the certainty that Jesus does? No. But over time, yes, more and more so. And all of a sudden you walk up to somebody. There's, there's churches that are doing this thing, and they call them uh, Divine Encounters, I think is the name of it. And it comes out of a Brownsville sort of a thing. But the idea is, is, is it comes from Reading initially. And the idea is, is that you go into the community, and what you do is, is you're looking for. You walk into the community expecting God to give you something for someone so you're so you're not just looking at people or you're not just thinking about yourself and not paying attention to anybody what you're actually doing is is as you're walking through your day you're watching for who is it where is it see now just think about the difference in just your life right there you're looking for that little moment that little speed bump that little thing that would penetrate through the noise and through the busyness and all of a sudden you go, oh, there's something going on here, what is it? And you start bringing it into understanding. And then it comes to revelation and then it comes to an application. Pray and move. See what I mean? And you, can, you, can, you don't have to go up to them and say, God just told me that you're an adulterer, you know? You can say, you know, I got something on my heart and I just, would you like to talk? right? We can offer in ways that are gentle. But, but you, see what this, you see what this life with God is supposed to look like. And I say this, and I realize that I think most of the people in the room are already here, but I just need to take one more moment. I need to show you that what I'm talking about here is not just charismania, is not just charismatic subjectiveness. Jesus was charismatic And when he said that people were going to die and be enslaved and that there was going to be a heaven and that he was going to be glorified and that Judas was going to... This was not subjective. This stuff happened. Okay? Now, do we get it wrong a lot? Yes. How do you get better at getting it wrong? Do you never do it again because you might get it wrong? That doesn't work out very well. You never get good at it if you never try. But if you'll continue to walk into it, what will happen over time, over years? You'll get better and better and better at discerning what really is god and what really isn't and sometimes the stuff that really isn't god is really close to the stuff that is but the point is is let me show you theologically here isaiah says here's how we are we're precept upon precept precept upon precept line upon line line upon line here a little there a little here's what this sounds like in hebrew salasa kol salaka now what does that sound like it's like a little baby babbling. It has, in Hebrew, it has very much a sense like da-da-da-da-da-da-da. In fact, the way that uh, Eugene Peterson translates this verse is exactly correct when he says da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, blah-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah. See what I mean? Uh, that's a good little girl. That's a good little boy. It's like a mom teaching, you know, a child how to have syllables, you know, how to have say consonants and working towards language and understanding. Well, here's what God's saying to us. Don't be offended by it. God is saying the way you guys think is like a little baby to me. Now, many of you have heard this before, but it's such an important principle. Here's the difference between how God knows and we know. We know outside in. When you look at me, if you don't know me, you look at the kind of clothes that I wear and the way that I do my hair and the way that I speak, and you start learning things about me, but you don't know me. Right? How does God know me? He knows me from the inside out. When I look in the mirror at myself, the way my brain works, that's line upon line, precept upon precept, that's what it's doing. The way my brain works is I look at myself and I say, look at that failure and look at that failure. And there was a victory there, but look at that. And I look at myself and I see this hodgepodge of some good and a lot of bad. Here's what God sees when he looks at me the new creation that he gave me from the inside. And he goes, oh, he's awesome. Now, is there crap out here? Is there stuff that's all messed up and needs covering of the blood of Jesus? Yes. But what does he see when he sees us? The inside. Understand it this way. God didn't need names for animals. He didn't need to name cats cats. He gave us the naming of it because our brains need k-a-t in order for us to bring up the image of you know, a four-legged, incredibly independent animal. Right? That's the image that we have when we call up that phoneme. That's a line upon line and a precept upon a precept. That's what it is. Here's why God doesn't need the names of the genus cat. Because he knows every single one of them perfectly and purely from the inside out. He knows everything perfectly and purely. We don't. What do we need to do? We need to take the inside out, the pure knowledge that God has, we need to bring it into our understanding. By the way, this is a great, a whole other sermon, but praying in the spirit is very much a way of making syllabic that which is actually beyond language. Because it's da da, da it, it has a continental value to it which is closer to the way our brains need it in order to understand it. So it's kind of an intermediary step of bringing the knowledge of God into something that my mind can capture. Again, I, I don't want to belabor this point too much. I talk about it quite a bit because I think it's a really important principle, but here's the point that we're making. God knows everything perfectly and purely, and it is his great pleasure and desire to reveal it to you. That's what he's doing. That's what he's about. That's what he's trying to do in the relationship with us. When he gives us the Holy Spirit, the guide, the helper, the counselor, he means us to enter into a gnosco, intimate relationship that is two-way and that is bringing understanding. And again, if you want to just Prove it out theologically, because I just don't want to be that charismatic. That's right. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before we'll see it all as clearly as God sees us. We know we know in part. We see through a mirror dimly. This is the outside going in. We never, you know, sometimes we do get to a transcendent knowledge of a person and we know them more so on the inside. But God knows us directly and we're going to know in that same way when we are with him. Now the truth is, he's trying to make us taste as much of heaven as we possibly can right now. That's what God is doing. He always wants us to taste of the heavenly things. Why? So that we can be a witness and a testimony of the incredible things that God does and has. (laughs) Right? How did you know that? I know this God, see? (laughs) He he loves you. Are you an adulterer? Yeah. But he loves you. He's talking to you. He's trying to help you. (laughs) He's moving on your behalf. See it? I mean, this is cool stuff. I want to I go for my walk before 2008 crash happens. I feel and I've told you this many times, I told you this before the 2008 crash happened. I said, God is speaking to me, and what he's telling me is is that he's desperately unhappy with the state of the American church, that we think we're doing a great job because our numbers are strong and our finances are strong, and the fact is is that we're not discipling people. In fact, the richer we've become, the more we've taken the ministry from the people and put it in prose, and now they're growing like weeds, and the congregation is going through the worst discipleship. The, The congregations are not being discipled anymore. Now, can I say something? Now when I say that, that sounds like, yeah, of course. A, because you've heard me say it, and B, because if you read the literature and all that kind of stuff, everybody's saying it. Barna and Gallup and all these people are finding over and over, discipleship in the last few years just went in the toilet. But can I say something? Before 2008, nobody was saying this. Everybody was patting themselves on the back about how great things were. But I was making time in my day to go out there and pray, and quite surprisingly to me, I mean, it was a shock. And it wasn't that God said, I'm desperately unhappy with you. It just, I got this sense of something, and I started praying about it. And the more that I prayed about it, and the more that I sought on it, the more all of a sudden I started getting this weight of, oh my gosh, there's something terribly wrong. And we started making a transition before... Everything fell apart in the economy and then finances. It took about a year after and so on and all this kind of stuff. Now, where did that come from? That came from this dynamic that I'm talking about. Do you remember? I'm a guy who had a period of time in his life that lasted for, I can't remember how many months now, but it was, a, I don't think it was quite a year, but it was almost a year's worth, where every single meeting that I went to, on the way to the meeting, now watch, I wasn't listening to the radio, I wasn't texting right? There wasn't even texting back then. But I wasn't doing something else. What I was doing was because God had started talking to me about what was going to happen in the meeting, it never occurred to me to do anything but get in the car and start praying. So in the car, I would start praying about what's going to happen in this meeting. And then God would just tell me everything. Now look at what I was doing. I just assumed that God was going to tell me what was going to happen in the meeting. It didn't occur to me that that was something that it shouldn't be happening because <laughs> it should be happening. Because God did it, and I went, wow, this is cool. And, and literally, when I say this, understand, we're way past subjectivity here. I would walk in and say, before a person could open their mouth, the person has, like, oh, I'll give you an example. We were going to buy a house, and, and we'd put down a deposit. And the, 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 in the, the intervening time, when we, drove, when we drove up, God told me on the way there that what had happened is is that someone else had put a bid in. Not to worry about it, that bid would fall out. So I walk up, and the realtor likes us a lot, and she came to the Lord because of us, and she's kind of feeling really bad that this is going to... And I said, here's what's happened. Somebody else has put an offer in. Don't worry about it. It's going to fall out. So here's the deposit that we were going to give you. Go ahead and put it in there because we need to be in there at second place. Okay? Now, that's just one example, and I'm telling you that kind of specificity in every meeting. Every single meeting for a very long time. I do want to say something. In the end... Satan got in there, too, and tweaked it and caused me to make an error, because I just needed, like anybody else, to learn and to grow. Like I say, sometimes the things that aren't God look an awful lot like him. Now, I'm I'm telling you the stuff that I thought he was saying, I really believe that was from the Lord. But Satan can still get in there and mess with us. So we have to be very discerning about this stuff. The reason why we get in trouble as people who believe that God speaks to us is because sometimes we insist that he has when in fact he hasn't. (laughs) And someone else can see that. But the truth of the matter is, is just because a thing has a problem doesn't mean it's not worth going after. In fact, the opposite's true, right? If a thing has a problem, it's all the more to go after it so that you get it right. So that's what, you, that's what we do. Now, I believe with all of my heart, and I'll go into it in just a little bit more depth, but let me just, I'm, I'm gonna take a bit of a sidetrack here for a second. I believe with all of my heart that the Lord will reveal to you everything that you need to know in detail, completely. I believe that that's true. I've experienced it to some degree. But more, more important than my own experiences, I see it in the life of Christ, who modeled for me what God, the kind of life that God has for me. So I need to be expectant of it. But now watch. I'm going to tell you a story about the greatest failure that I've done. I can't remember a greater failure back far enough, so it would be at least a year. Now, when I tell this story, there's people sitting in this room that are going to say, Oh, my God, Kurt, you thought that was a failure? I've got ten of them that are much bigger than that that you did. Okay? But, <laughs> but I just... I just want you to get a hold of something for me personally. I want to show you how subtle all this stuff is. So here's what happens. On July 1st, and before July 1st, I told everybody, I said, I have one of the most important sermons I've preached in a very long time. I promoted it that way. I said, God has given me something to speak about. This is as important as anything that I've talked about in a very long time. I can't remember when anything's more important. And I'm telling you, you need to. And even now, I'm telling you, even though I'm about to tell you I made a big mistake in it, go back and listen to it because it's worth it. But the fact of the matter was, is that in that sermon, basically just to reiterate it very quickly, the first part of the sermon was a revelation about Martha and about how we're all Martha's we think of ourselves as Mary's and we think we have to be Mary's but in fact we're all Martha's and that God is crazy about Martha's and that really ministered to a lot of people just in terms of identity that was the first part of the sermon and it set up the second part of the sermon which was and this was a little more for guys and gals although it works for everybody it was a way of understanding God that I think is the most powerful way to keep out of temptation or to not fall to temptation that I've ever heard. And by the way, at this point in time, many people have listened to it online and they've gotten back to me and said, I'm trying what it is that you taught us in that me- message and I've never had anything make a bigger difference to me in terms of getting victory in my temptations. So if you're a guy or if you're a gal and you're struggling with having getting victory, watch that sermon. Okay? But here's the point about that sermon. I made a huge mistake in it. And it, by the way, it doesn't hurt, the, the content wasn't, it was that there was this conceit, that's what we call it in writing when you're a scriptwriter, you call it a conceit, and that's a way of communicating something, and it's usually a way of communicating something that makes the thing have more depth, resonance, or in this case, sticky. Sticky means how does it get inside so that it becomes part of me? And there was this stickiness to the sermon. I to- remember I read, for those of you who were here, I read a long section out of a book, and then there was another section that I had to read in order to make it sticky, and I wasn't, didn't have time to read it. I was already an hour and 15 minutes, and I was like, oh, my God, I screwed up. Right? So I just quit. But the fact is that second part, I knew from the beginning that that second reading was more important than anything else, even though it wasn't new information. All the information's in the sermon that I gave. But it was that second story that made it all slot into the proper places in your soul to where you would have never forgotten it. And I didn't get to read that second story because, because, now watch, because I'm a 55-year-old man who's having to live like a 30-year-old because of what's going on. Now, this is, I'm about to touch on something right here that is another sermon and I'm going to get to it, and this is, this is this huge thing that God is doing. I cannot wait until he releases me to give this sermon, because it is so important about something that we're missing as a whole thing. And you'll get a, a snippet of it right here, but here's what I'm saying, okay? There is different rhythms to life and stages of life, right? When you are 55, you do not have the energy that you do at 30, do you? Period, right? you actually do have an energy that is supposed to be doing something entirely different and is incredibly important, and that's what the sermon that I'm going to get to preach one of these days is going to talk about, how important this stage is and how we're just totally not using it at all in any part of our culture. Because here's what's actually happening. When you get to 55, you get fired unless you're still putting out like a 30-year-old does, unless you're still performing at that same level. Here's how 55-year-olds perform like 30-year-olds. Starbucks. That's how they do it. I'm not kidding, right? And what happens is, did you know that, that biochemically, what happens is, when you, when you open a thing of coffee, and I'm going to open it for you, and I'm hopefully it'll waft out over the congregation here. Did you know that just smell, if you're a coffee drinker, just smelling coffee, okay, just smelling coffee, okay, it will actually do about 80% of what drinking it does. Did you know that? Just smelling the coffee brewing will actually cause your body to respond chemically to 80% of what it would have done if you had drank a cup of coffee. So what we need to do is just drink a little bit of coffee so our body remembers what it's like and then just smell it a lot, Okay? because it'll do 80% of it now here's what caffeine actually does caffeine does not actually wake you up it simply tells the cells that are tired not to set off the chemicals that tell that I'm tired so you're actually just as tired as you were you just don't know it and you keep going in it now that's a real problem for somebody who's 55 and, and let me show you why It's a problem for if you're 32. Now watch this. Here's what happens. This is particularly true with guys. When you have testosterone in you as a 30-year-old, you're chiseled in your body in a certain fashion. But here's the part that you don't understand. You're actually alert. Testosterone actually clears up the cloudiness that any 55-year-old can tell you about. That sort of murkiness that comes into your thinking. This is true of women, too, by the way, except that women's testosterone is going up as they get older, and that's why they get so much smarter than us men. But it was a nice one. Come on. But the point is that you can give a 55-year-old a shot of testosterone, and here's what he'll become. You remember that guy who was 20 years old, and he was completely convinced that he was right, even though you as an older person could look at him and say, my God, you can't see how wrong you are? If you give a 55-year-old a shot of testosterone, they will become completely assured of the wrong decisions which they are making. <laughs> That's what happens. See, there's, you make wrong decisions when you're younger, and then you start learning how to make right decisions more and more. And then, like I say, in this sermon I'm going to preach, you go into a whole other realm that we're not even using because we don't have any place in our society for it. And so instead what we do is we medicate. Now, I'm 55. I need to be productive. You know what I mean? I don't, like, I don't like being so tired. And by the way, 14 years, average day in 14 years has been 14 hours. Average day. Many, 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 too many to count, 16-hour days. This is not God, by the way. He did not lead me to do that. This is me not following God. So I do not lift this up as some sort of braggadocious. I lift it up as a fault of my own, one that I share in a culture that has a lot of A-types in it, which is Bellevue. Okay? I mean, right? Microsoft says, don't worry about it. You can come in anytime, which means you come in and never go home. A <laughs> type, right? So the point is, I hear from my brother that, you know, I don't like jitteriness. I hate jitteriness. I drank coffee a little bit, and God, the jittery, how can you stand that? I mean, that's just horrible, right? I hate it. But my brother tells me if you drink a Red Bull, you get caffeine, and it doesn't make it jittery and he's right because about two months ago I said man I just can't be this tired all the time I'm too stressed it's catching up with me there's a bad thing that's happening in me physically I should be exercising that would have got rid of a lot of it but even then and so I start drinking this caffeine and bottom line is oh my god this is great stuff this is the elixir of youth (laughs) this is awesome baby right I'm back to 30 years old right And I'm just convinced that what I'm doing is right, even though it's probably wrong half the time. But the bottom line is, is, man, I'm just cranking out huge documents, and I'm just, this this is awesome. This is back when I used to be able to juggle five balls at once, and if I didn't have five balls in the air, I was like, what's wrong with life? Right? This is awesome. What is that? God. He's knocking. Enough with the caffeine. I hope, we can, I hope we can forget that, but thanks. All right, so that's awfully loud, isn't it? All right, so here we go. So the point is, is I'm making this incredible mistake in the sermon that I wrote because I have energy, artificial energy. When I write the sermon, I say, my God, this is at least 30% longer than it needs to be, than it has to be. This is 30% longer than it can be for me to ever have any hope of it getting across in the fullness that I want to get it across to. This is not okay. But I had my little friend. And my little friend was telling me, you can do it. (laughs) Right? You can do it, Luther. Right? You can do it. So I said, I can do it. So I do the run-through on Saturday night, thinking I can get rid of a bunch of stuff. Oh my God, it's still way too long. Saturday night. You can do it. Sunday morning, I wake up, drink one. I can do it. In my run-through, it was so long, I couldn't read that last section. Don't you think at some point in time, something would have went off in my head and said, maybe you need to do something different. Like maybe make it two sermons. By the way, I meant to do that all along, but it's just the the way that it worked out, and I couldn't, but you see, what really my little friend was telling me, you can do it. See? And so I tried, and guess what? I couldn't do it. I tell that as a funny little story. Does it mean you can never drink caffeine again? I, I suspect that people that drink a lot of caffeine probably get to the point to where it's almost irrelevant. So maybe you can still drink caffeine and hear God. But did you hear the maybe part? I really want to make this argument, and I really want to go after this thing. You know the noise that we were talking about earlier? You know the noise of life that's trying to capture your attention? Do you know what the biggest generator of noise is in our own lives? Us. We're, we're caffeinating, have an agenda have it all laid out, got it worked out in our heads, moving according to the way that we think that we should move. You know what we're not doing? We're not emptying ourselves. We're not doing what Christ did. We're not kenosing, kenosis We're not emptying ourselves of ourselves so that we can hear God. If we were doing that, we would get back to, do I have sound? I should have sound. Do I not? You know what, I'm gonna run it again because I wanted you to get this effect, okay? Here. This noise is what? This is us. We're generating this. If we will take the time and I don't just mean the time to do a devotional in the morning I think doing a devotional in the morning is like a tithe I think it sets you up. I think you can do emails and watch the morning news and lose half the effectiveness of a true devotional, because you're already going to up. You're already having to somehow get through the busyness and the noise. I think that what God is actually asking us to do is to stop, to slow down. He's not saying you can't still be productive. What he's saying is, is what's first? Here's the thing that I want you to write down that I'd like us all to be doing. I will expect God to speak to me ever more completely and will adjust my life to hear him. I really think that the biggest thing is just expecting it. Do I expect that I will ever hear as clearly and completely as Jesus did? Do I expect that that will actually happen in my life? Here's the answer to that. Not really. But here's the truth in that. That's not where I'm going to live. Where I'm going to live is that God is trying to speak to me that way, and the issue is me. And I don't mean it works me. I just mean if I would just, if I would expect something different, if I would keep him first what it is to be standing right with him his kingdom and his righteousness expecting him to add all of the work stuff and all the other stuff this is not an appeal for you to quit your job this is an appeal for you to understand how deeply God has things for you in your job in the programming problem that you have in the political situation that you have in the need that your cubicle mate has in the this in the that this is the grocery store this is every part of our lives this is just simply reorienting ourselves to a god who is living in us and trying to move through us in ways that are cooler than anything any of us have ever done. So Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, this congregation comes before you, and we are asking you to make us those instruments of your will, literally instruments like we looked at last week with the song. Instruments of praise, instruments of worship, instruments of your will finally wielded to your purposes, finally wielded to your revelation, finally wielded to your speed bumps, your observations, your applications, your prayer, and your putting our feet to it. In Jesus' holy and precious name, teach us that soap is not just about getting Scripture to talk to us. It's about how to hear our lives. It's about how to hear you through the whole of our lives and how you are talking to us at every moment. Thank you, God. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we reach down in front of us and we pick up this, this communion, this union with you.